0: Welcome everyone. It's a joy to celebrate Sunday service with you. We especially want to welcome our guests and visitors and those who are joining us online. My name is Nayaswami Anandi and this is Nayaswami Parvati. And we'll begin with a reading from Rays of the One Light, which are parallel passages from the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. This week's reading is called By Thinking Can we arrive at understanding? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. There are many places in the Gospels where we see Jesus in open conflict with the Pharisees. That is to say, with man-made as opposed to true mystical tradition. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 15, we see a good example of how he and they locked horns. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees from Jerusalem came and asked Jesus, why do your disciples break our ancient tradition and eat their food without washing their hands properly first? Jesus After scolding them for their hypocrisy in observing lesser rules so carefully, while ignoring the much more important ones, said, listen and understand this thoroughly. It is not what goes into a man's mouth that makes him common or unclean. It is what comes out of a man's mouth that makes him unclean. It wasn't that Jesus counseled against such wholesome practices as washing one's hands before eating. In an age, however, when lesser rules were given too much importance relative to the truly important observances, cleansing the heart of impure desires, for example, he emphasized the supreme importance of loving God and of communing with him. The Pharisees, The orthodox religionists of his day, in other words, had brought true religion down to a level of intellectual hair-splitting. They mistakenly considered the way to understanding to lie through a minefield of definitions, which they tried to refine to ultimate exactitude. Jesus taught, however, that the intellect alone can never lead one to truth. Without love, indeed, there is no ultimate verity. Without fixity of purpose, born of the heart's devotion, the intellect wanders endlessly. It cannot settle for long on anything. As the Bhagavad Gita says in the second chapter, the intellects of those who lack fixity of spiritual purpose Are inconstant, their interests endlessly ramified. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind.
1: would like to welcome you all and I'll start by reading from Whispers from Eternity. Yogananda's beautiful book of prayer demands. I want to hear thy song in the silence of my soul. Thy gentle voice saying come home I often heard but Through many lives, it was drowned in the tumult of my wild cravings. I have forsaken the jostling crowds of desire. In the solitude of my mind, my devotion bursts to hear thy voice. Take away every dream memory of earthly sounds that yet lurks in my mind. I want to hear thy still voice ever singing in the silence of my soul. About 161 years ago, in fact, exactly 161 years ago um, in 1858, there was a young girl, 14 years old, who during this very time of February and March began experiencing visions of a beautiful lady. And this girl was extremely poor. Her family lived in the town of Lord, as you can imagine. And uh, she and her sisters were out one day collecting whatever wood they could find in the forest for to heat their house and have a little cooking fuel as well. And she was separated from the others and just went to a, a niche. It was the local, place where it was the dump, actually, <laughs> and uh, uh, Massa Biel, and she went there just to rest for a moment, and then she she heard, she felt a wind, and she turned around, and she was alone, and here was this beautiful young girl standing inside that that area there on a little rock outcropping, and she was so... Bernadette was so enthralled by this vision and the lady was so incredibly beautiful that she was in ecstasy basically. And the lady was very simple. She said very young, very beautiful. She said you would die to see someone as beautiful as that ever. And uh, the lady asked her to come to that same place For the next fortnight for two weeks. And so this young girl who had absolutely no standing in the little community where she lived and uh, had no education, she couldn't even read or write at this particular time, uh, 14 years old, and uh, she said of course, yes I will come. And so during the next two weeks Uh, it became very interesting what happened because initially no one saw her she was just there alone but and when her sisters did begin to see her they thought maybe she died because she was stone still and white kneeling and so then they went home and Bernadette, they got out of her, you know, it's always gossip with little kids and and people in that town as well. And so they got out of her, oh yes, I saw this lady, and she said, did you see her? And they said, no. And so then they told, you know, she said, don't tell anyone because it was a very special experience. And so um, by the time she got home a few minutes later her mother knew and was very upset about what had happened, and she said, no, no, you cannot go back there and uh, just forget about it. It was, it was just a ghost or something. And, uh, uh, but Bernadette, it was something very, very real. And so each time she said she would feel the inward call to go to that place again and again, and so she went numerous times over that fortnight. And as she went, people began going as well. Now remember, only she could see this vision. Nobody else could see anything but her kneeling in the dirt at the local dump. And so, you know, it was like this, wow, really? And, and so, but people started observing her. And what they saw, they couldn't, they were thrilled by and afraid. It's interesting, when you don't have uh, a deeper understanding, anything out of the normal, and especially in this time, it was 161 years ago, uh, people were superstitious, but they, um, but they could feel there was something deeply thrilling going on when she would see this vision. And over that two week period the lady, uh, she would pray the rosary with her and more and more people started coming because they felt there was something special going on but again they couldn't quite figure out what it was. But they knew it was spiritual, they knew it was religious and so over that two week period the lady started asking her for things and she said "Um, it would be good if people would pray for sinners. It would be good if there was a lot more penance done by everyone in this little village. And so she would little by little say a little something after these visions. She, She had no idea what else to do. I mean the lady was very insistent and and so deeply inspiring, thrillingly inspiring. And so uh, she would say these things, and then came the big moment when the lady said, And I would like a chapel to be built here. And you need and the priests, you should tell the priests that I would like a chapel to be built here. And so this upped the ante quite a bit of what was going about to happen there. And so, but Bernadette, when you, when you know the truth, when you experience the truth, which is what was happening for her, she was experiencing divine truth through this vision. She had to do it. And so she went to a, a man who was the local priest, and he was formidable at the time, and uh, but she had to do it and so she went to his house unannounced there were formalities in that time you know how you would greet someone and you would make an appointment to come and see them and Bernadette did none of that she went from the vision to the house of the local priest and told him that the vision of this lady which is all she called her was uh, asking her uh, to have a chapel built at the site of this dump area and, uh, and that the priests uh, should know about that and, and would do that. And the, uh, the local priest was a combination of devotion and explosion, uh, emotional explosion. And so he looked at her and he said, do you have any money to build a chapel? And she said, no, no, of course not. And, and he said, well, I don't have any money to build the chapel, and who is this lady anyway? And so he said, find out who she is. And so that continued on. There were two weeks, and, and that continued on, and these visions were continuing to happen. And the, the excitement and the participation of people spread throughout the entire region by the end of the two weeks, there were 20,000 people who made their way by walking and bullock cart and horseback and everything to see what was supposed to be this final vision. And so um, the police were concerned, the the local priests were concerned, everybody was concerned, but nobody knew quite what to do about it. So, and then the fickleness of when we don't really have a deep experience, we're just watching from the outside, very deeply impressed, but it isn't our direct experience. At one point the lady asks her to go and dig over in the corner and uh, uncover the spring that is there. And so, uh, Bernadette absolutely, on her knees, goes over and, and starts digging. There's nothing there but a little damp spot. And so she digs, and then uh, uh, muddy water comes, and she said, and drink from the spring. And so Bernadette very literally, and, and eat the herbs that are nearby. So she goes, she does this, There's it's mud, she p- pants it down, and finally is able to get a little bit. She puts the water, muddy water, in her mouth, and has dirt all over her face and then she grabs some weeds that are nearby and eats them they're bitter and and then she turns around and everyone gasps because she looks mad she looks crazy and from being in ecstasy to looking like a mad woman everyone says oh oh it was a hoax after all you know nothing's really happening here and that that kind of and so she She is taken away at that point by her relatives and uh, but the people just disperse. But the 20,000 people do come back because the visions continue. And the reason that I am putting this out there is that when you see something out of the ordinary, you can take it in a lot of different ways. So. How do you believe something that you don't see? What, what do you do about that? And so for all of us, and, and just to complete the story, these things unroll, the, uh, the 20,000 people come, they are deeply inspired. By this point, there are even a few priests that make their way there. One of them, and there are many written accounts of, of the visions of watching her. And this one priest who was there, he said it was he saw her in a group of people walking to the uh, place. She then went into ecstasy and was totally transformed. So he saw her as a normal young girl and then he saw her with this vision happening through her. And he said it was as if you saw the difference between spirit and matter in one person. So it was thrilling what was happening. But the end of it was, so the two weeks ended, and everybody thought, Whew, we met, you know, the authorities, the priests, that everyone thought, wow, we made it, you know. Now it will all just go away. It will all subside because we don't really know what to make of all of this. And so for three weeks, 20 days, Bernadette did not feel that inner call of the Divine. But then on the night of March 24th, she felt it again. And this was causing havoc for her parents, for everyone in the area, you know, it just was such an unusual thing. But she felt the call and she, she told her parents, she said, I'm sorry, but I, I have to go tomorrow. And so somehow, intuitively, everyone in the area knew, ended up knowing about this because they said there was the likelihood of that happening because March 25th is what's called Lady Day by common people. It's the feast of the Annunciation in the Catholic world. And so I think people were thinking maybe, maybe this would happen again. And so she went. And in that day, the lady was already there, and Bernadette, the priest constantly was saying, who is she, who is she? Get her to tell you her name. And she said, if I remember, because when she was in ecstasy, she didn't remember to do that. But this last time, she had that that impulse was there as well. And so she said three times, she asked, Madam, who are you? Please tell me who you are. Three times. And finally on the third she said, the vision that was like this went like this. And the rosary fell down a little bit. And then when she came back, she said very clearly, not out loud, but inwardly, I am the Immaculate Conception. And those words were very interesting. In other words, and as they say in some places, how can a person be an event? Well, she wasn't just a person. But I am the Immaculate Conception, meaning I am the Divine Mother of the universe. I am the one that keeps it all going. And and so that was a huge thing. When that happened, it changed everything. The church had to take it much more seriously. Three years before, the Pope had declared the uh, dogma of the Immaculate Conception. And now here was this vision saying, I am the Immaculate Conception. And so they printed on little medals and they have a picture of the of what the woman uh, looked like, the Divine Mother basically for us, is what we would say. But people went through a lot and went in a lot of different directions with that kind of really deep inspiration. And just on this topic of by thinking can we understand, no, we can't. The The need for all of us, and we're just coming at this subject from a little different way, and these were were things that came into my mind by thinking about this is that we really must have calm feeling because calm feeling allows us to have an experience of spiritual love and in turn of intuitive understanding because without intuitive understanding we can't understand anything and so we can't today it's focused on the scriptures but we also can't understand a vision that happens to someone else or a miracle that, that happens before our very eyes without intuitive understanding. Vision, miracles happen all the time, remember that. There's not, there's not this, there's the matter and then there's spirit. It's interacting all the time, as Jesus said, for those who have eyes to see And ears to hear and he gave his disciples in that time the way to go about that you have to go inside God is inside you must become still you must calm the feelings of the heart so that you can have this intuitive understanding without that really we're going to constantly live in a matter-bound universe and for devotees, that's a real challenge. Uh, it's interesting in the, uh, and I'll just tell one more story. And that is, for example, so Yogananda in the 1930s uh, had a, uh, a farm down in uh, Encinitas area. That's kind of how it started. And the retreat house was there and then he bought property and, and they were growing at one point carrots and they had carrot juice. And so Yogananda loved to have people experience what they were doing there. And so he had this whole group of people come and uh, he wanted them to have some carrot juice. And so the man, the monk who was there, which I believe was Brother Bhaktananda, had been working in this business of making carrot juice and he went back to get some, and there were maybe, I don't know, six or seven or eight people, and he went back to get the carrot juice and there was just a little bit left (laughs) and he couldn't make any more right away. And so obeying his guru, Yogananda said, come, come, you know, let's, and, and obeying his guru but knowing there wasn't much in this picture, he started to pour out in the glasses that were lined up just a little bit, so they could each have a little taste. And Yogananda looked at him and he said, No, no, fill the glasses. He was a true disciple. It reminded me of the story of Padmapada come here across the water. And Padmapada simply stepped out on the water and the guru helped him to get across. But here, was this disciple with this pitcher of not very much carrot juice. And Yogananda said, no, no, fill the glasses. And so he said, okay, who am I to say what's happening here? So he poured and filled all of those glasses and he said by the time he was done, the pitcher was still pretty full. But who who would one have the courage to act on that? You have to have intuitive understanding and perception to even pour that glass, you know. I mean, it wouldn't happen. You have to have intuitive understanding and perception of some degree to even take the step out on the water. Otherwise, it it won't even happen. The miracle passes by. Oh, we don't have enough carrot juice, so I'm not going to do what he just asked me to. And so it doesn't happen. (laughs) You see what I mean? But there, and also things just happen that are miracles that we can easily uh, try to explain away through common sense. And Swami Kriyananda, in The uh, Promise of Immortality, I can't recommend highly enough the chapter for this week. It's called how do we read the scriptures or something like that it's week number nine and it's a beautiful at first i thought it's quite long and i thought oh wow but i'll start to look through it he goes through many uh, several uh, descriptions of how you go about doing this and one of the last i found very insightful and that is that he talks about common sense And intuition and how we work we need to work with those how we do that to be able to grow spiritually and I would like to just read a little bit of this discussion because it's very subtle and very well put in the absence of intuition which we all know remember Swami Kriyananda describes that time when He had just, uh, uh, was going to India, he drove down to San Francisco, his car broke down, and it was gonna cost all the money that he had to go to India to get a new car. And he said, I asked for inspiration, for inner guidance, and really nothing came. And so he said, I had to revert to common sense, which was, I needed to have a car. So he spent the money on a Friday to get the car. He said, with just, hoping that it, he said, Divine Mother, you'll have to take care of this for me. He said on Monday, he received a check in the mail that was made out for a thousand dollars. It was just about the amount that he had just spent, and from someone he did not know, and saying, use this as Divine Mother wants you to. It was a miracle and he was sitting in his house seeing this you know he's told that story a lot but this is what's behind that in the absence of intuition the best fallback position is common sense And it is you have to fall back to something if you're not feeling intuitively guided guided it can't take us the the common sense can't take us to spiritual heights but it can keep you from, I need to put my glasses on. <laughs> so common sense can keep you in touch with fundamental realities and limit the imagination's tendency to, to to distant them? Distort, ah, yes. Mm-hmm. And limit the imagination's tendency to distort these fundamental realities with fantasy. You know, it's it's so interesting. It's such a, a, a very delicate thing that, that we're doing here spiritually in growing and really not just saying, oh, well, that was a miracle and not understanding how it was a miracle. We have to fill the gap. And so at the very end, this other paragraph, To seek the guidance of experience while at the same time keeping ourselves open to to ever greater experiences is admittedly a balancing act of skepticism on one side and hope on the other. This effort is necessary, however. The seeker must soar high while never losing his earthly bearings. Truth is cosmic but its principles are applicable as well in the marketplace. Truth is eternal but it is also forever fresh and new. And so if you ever think that it feels like you're walking on a tightrope to really move into deeper and deeper spiritual awareness, you are. It's called the edge of a sword. As Gandhi said, I walk the path of truth. It's like walking the edge of a sword. I weep when I slip. I'm joyful when I don't. And so that's that's what we all take on. If we want to know the truth of our own being, that truth is that we are one with God. You're gonna come face to face with that sooner or later and little by little and that again, those people in Bernadette's time, they just came face to face with seeing somebody who was seeing God, and that was too much. That was too much. It was it was fear provoking. It was uh, ecstatic, but it was still fear provoking. But for us, we're combining walking with both common sense and deep intuition. And when we do that, but we it's, you know, Sri Yukteswar said that thing. He said, why do people not find God? It's the lack of spiritual adventuresomeness. <laughs> yeah, and it's true. Without pushing out a little more and a little more, we won't get there. But at the same time, the, the reading for devotion, that's how we get there. That The devotion will carry us into places that, Common sense will say, I don't know about this, you know? But devotion will say, no, no, my heart feels right. It feels right to my heart. I'm going. Gyanamata, if I can remember it, Gyanamata had this little uh, poem that she uh, had in one of her letters I am but a simple maid, foolish and unheeding, yet I follow unafraid where my heart is leading. And that's so. It's not, people will say, oh, well, you're just, uh, you know, being silly, uh, you know, following only the heart. You're not following only the heart. You're always balancing that by your own direct experience. It has to be there. And if, you, if the gap becomes too big beca- between our direct experience and what we're affirming is happening, it, it falls apart. It doesn't work. So, and we'll do that. You know, we'll do that. We'll affirm something that we're not quite there yet. But but always keep in mind that you want to be walking firmly on the, with your feet on the ground and opening to realities that they're not they're not strange. They're they're just a higher octave of what we're experiencing right now. When Yogananda said. I I look at you and I see you all as beings of light, that's a reality. We are beings of light. Science knows that. We're beings of energy. All the, you know, space and all of that that's in between all the molecules that make up our body, that's a reality. We just aren't able to see that yet. But as we grow spiritually and it takes, I was reading the wonderful new book A Visit to Saints of India. Swami wrote a lot of those letters when I first came here, uh, the ones in the 70s. And uh, it was thrilling to read them and long things about his visits with various ones. But the one with Yogi Ramya, which is quite long, I had forgotten that. But um, Yogi Ramya's, who was a totally liberated master, totally, fully liberated, we're talking, uh, very unusual. Um, He said, you must have steadfastness of purpose. You must focus on one chakra. You must focus on your sadhana. You must eat food that supports that. You must, but he said, be very focused and one-pointed in what you do. And he said, for meditation, he said, set the times that you meditate and never miss them you know i mean that was his he was living alone in the jungle in in india but but even so there's a there's an energy and a consciousness to that that once you start moving with that understanding that's how you deepen it i remember swami and i'll close with this walking into this temple one time and he's and he said all I can say is that the spiritual path and meditation is a lot of hard, slogging work with a few great things in between. <laughs> so just keep in mind that's how it actually works. And these things are not supernatural, they're superconscious. They're on a, a realm that's right there, right now, but we have to have the vision and we have to work to, what are we working for? uplifting our consciousness and moving the consciousness gradually from the ego up to the spiritual eye. As that happens, these things start to unfold. Ananda was built on many miracles happening, and we experience them, and they still happen, but you have to have eyes to see and ears to hear.